everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and uh, great to be back with the latest episode and edition of the show. I'm actually uh, broadcasting this from Calgary, Alberta, so I'm in a hotel room right now. You may be able to tell from the background. Uh, really excited to have a first-time guest with us today. And uh, so, Majid Magaroban, really excited to have you here. And always where I like to start is to get our guests to tell us a little bit about their backstory and journey, uh, to tell us kind of how they got into the world that they're in today. So with your permission, I'll ask you uh, if you can tell us just a little bit about your journey and then we can dive deeper. Sure, well, uh, I've been a professional speaker for over 10 years and before that uh, in theater and competitive speech team and even from a young age and did some improv comedy. I think we touched on a shared history there. I did a bit of improv. Uh, and so wanted to make money speaking, wanted to figure out how do you actually get paid to speak and took the long, slow way of figuring out how to sell myself as a keynote speaker. Um, and along the way, kind of figured out that as a speaker, you get a lot of opportunities that open up to you in terms of building your network and people coming to you and asking you to work on different things together. So I ended up getting some consulting contracts and coaching contracts and training contracts. I realized that you can really build a sizable business built on speaking as a platform to get yourself known. And so now I really help a lot of other entrepreneurs who want to build their own business and want to be doing more speaking and help them leverage that position on, on a platform to grow their business and increase their impact. And that's why I have the Expert Speaker Institute. That's the company I serve my clients through. Love it. And so my this begs the first question that you know, I, I like to dive in here because I think it's one of these unknown things, kind of behind the curtain, if you will. But can you comment on how you mentioned, uh, you know, diving into the speaking side and how it was, um, you know, getting in the trenches. And one of the things I think a lot of people think is that speaking is easy. You know, if you can get on a stage and speak, then building a business around it is easy. And it's just one of those, if you build it, they will come. That hasn't been my experience. But can you talk about to or talk to the fact uh, about your experience in that world? If you find that it's easy or not as easy to at least start out as a speaker and start building a business around it. If you have nobody to support you, I guess would be the follow-up to that. What's the follow-up? Oh, if you have nobody to support you, like you're somebody like yourself, nobody to guide the person if they're doing it on their own. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Well, you know, there are so many different ways to approach the speaking business. There are as many speaking business models as there are speakers. It has all to do with how you like to deliver your service and what industry you're in and a bunch of factors. The, the people who say it's easy to speak are right because that is the easiest part of the job is speaking. Because if you're, if you like to speak, you're probably good at speaking. You enjoy it. That's not the hard part. Putting on the presentation is not the hard part. The reality of being a speaker is that less than 1% of your time is spent speaking. So what's happening the other 99% of the time? If you're a professional speaker, you are in a business where you sell yourself as a speaker. And that means you're in the marketing business. And you're in the marketing of the product called you and your brand and your speech. And so who's your speech and why are they going to buy just to model other successful People. So I took everybody out to lunch. I met a whole bunch of speakers. I served on my uh, local board of my association of professional speakers. I served on the national board. I got a job at an advertisement agency that was the sponsor of my local speaking chapter. And I went and got a, a job there. 
to learn how to market speakers because I wanted to market myself. So you have to learn the business of getting booked. If you have a great speech and you can't get booked, you, you don't, you're not helping anybody. And so I guess then, you know, the follow up to that is in terms of building a speaking brand or business, where do you think or where do you see that people struggle or maybe fall short? Great question. So speaking brand or speaking business, let's start with how much money do you want to be making? Let's say you want to make $100,000, okay? So you got to generate about $9,000 a month. So if you have a $1,000 speech, you're doing nine speeches a month. This was my thinking at the beginning of my speaking journey is, oh, I want to make $100,000. I got a $1,000 speech. I just need 100 gigs. This should, that's how I'm going to make it work. And that year, I'm pretty sure I had like less than 10 and most of them were not paying me $1,000. So there's a lot of time that goes into getting booked because every situation is a little bit different. You can get lucky when you book into a network. Like I booked into a network of high schools, the district of high schools around where I live. So once I'm in one, it's easier to get into the next one, easier to get in the next one. You can book multiples at a time. So networks are good. I did the same thing with Rotary Club. Once you're in one, you can speak at another, speak at another. It's easy to speak at more Rotary Clubs because the network trusts you. But if you're gonna charge per speech, let's take whatever your speaking fee is and take your annual income target. If it's a $1,000 speaking fee and a $100,000 annual income, you gotta do 100 speeches. But let's say instead of doing 100 speeches, you gave a speech and at the end of the speech said, guys, if you like that and you want more, I've got this opportunity for us to work together for $1,000 and let's say it's a, 90 day group coaching program or whatever it is, it's a thousand dollars. You pass out a piece of paper that says, write your contact information and your credit card number here, and we'll send you access to the thousand dollar program and we'll collect the payment. You pass that piece of paper out to a room full of 20 people and 10 of those people sign up. Now your $1,000 speaking gig just brought you $11,000. And this is the magic of expanding your value beyond the stage. And what I've learned is as a speaker, you can get on stage and inspire people and motivate people and give people the secrets, but if you can't give them the support to execute, then you're kind of like, here's the secret, good luck with implementation, I'm out of here on to motivate my next audience of people. So what I think is actually it's more helpful to the audience, it's more ethical because you're giving them the path forward instead of saying good luck with that. And it's certainly more profitable for you as a speaker, so you can make $100,000 a year on one speech a month when you got this piece of paper and this offer of $1,000. So that was really a turning point in my business when I figured that piece out. It made me think much less about speaking fee and much more about who's the right audience for me to be talking to and what is the offer for me to be offering them. So I love where you're going with that. And, and you know, it's funny how when you say that, I think about the, the Zig Ziglar's of the world, the Tony Robbins of the world, Mel Robbins of the world, but how Tony Robbins can have a program back in the day that was in chapters or, or Barnes and Noble, you know, it's in the store and people are buying it, or it could even be in a Walmart. Um, and same with Zig Ziglar, but back, you know, going back to cassette tapes and nobody blinked an eye, right? Because they would, they seen it as uh, offered through the traditional channels. A book would be a better example, probably, you know, like the Tony Robbins has Awaken the Giant, let's say. People go see him talk and he says, oh, I talk, I cover that in my new book, Awaken the Giant. And then everybody goes and buys the book. It's funny how people, even people speaking on a stage, 
don't see it the same way when they make an offer. They're nervous about making an offer, but really it's the same thing. It's just maybe on a slightly bigger scope, but really it's the same thing as Tony Robbins saying, you'll find that in my, my new book and people going and buying the book. It's no different. And at the same time, you can argue he's doing a disservice if he doesn't tell him about his new book, to your point, because that's where they're going to get more ways to actually dial it in than they're ever going to get in a 45-minute keynote. Absolutely. Uh, you got to get your mindset to a place that you're doing them a disservice if you don't let them know about the services. And one way to do that is, let's say you got a book. And your book inside the book has the cure to cancer. All you have to do is read the book and you cure yourself of cancer. And you're speaking to an audience of people full of cancer. Now, you'd be quite a jerk if you didn't tell them that you had that book available, right? Absolutely. Let them know about it. I mean, they don't have to buy it, but let them know about it. If you didn't let them know about it because you didn't want to make them uncomfortable or you felt uncomfortable about it or someone said there's no selling allowed, I mean, you're not selling if you're saying, guys, just so you know, I do have the cure to cancer. It's right here in this book. Like, you might want to pick it up. So, um, yeah, you got to believe that it's the right thing for the audience to make the offer and do it in such a way that is classy and doesn't uh, make people feel, uh, you know, it's, it might make some people feel uncomfortable to make the decision, hey, do I want help with this or not? That's what, essentially what you're facilitating in the pitch. Do you want help with this or not? Do you want help with me? Do you want it now? Do you want to pay for it? Let's go. So one way it's a little bit easier is if, uh, and a lot of my clients do this, especially those who are consultants or uh, have programs that require a lot of like understanding in order to really participate in. If you got a short speech, the offer is to have the next step, to have a conversation, to consider working together. And that's a much more palatable offer to make from the stage than you got to run to the back of the room and sign up now in the next 15 minutes or it's gone forever that sometimes is employed in certain scenarios that does make people uncomfortable. And that's where the selling from the stage gets a bad name, but delivering value and offering a next step is kind of unethical to not offer that next step. Yeah. So I love that perspective and I'll add Ajit, that I actually just uh, last month, probably much like yourself, but when I'm not working with my program clients, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm traveling and speaking. And so I don't get to go to as an attendee to enough events, I find. Like I, I struggle to get to an, somebody else's event. And last month I was really excited. I finally got to go to Brenda Burchard's event because I've, you know, I've, I've been following his stuff for so long and I'm like, I want to get to his event, but it just has always been a struggle. So I was able to do it last month in Phoenix and uh, the event was the High Performance Academy. So it was essentially him teaching high performance. The funny part is it probably wasn't even like I would have liked to have gone to Experts Academy, but beggars can't be choosers. You know, I was finally able to get to the event. I said, I'm taking advantage of this. But interestingly enough, when you mentioned this, I've been at three events, two I was involved in on the speaking side and one event as an attendee. And I watched different, three different people sell from the stage. And I'm always studying this kind of stuff, probably like yourself. But what was interesting about the way, now he's at a certain level, but the way Brendan did it was really interesting because he took the approach of guys, you know, we've talked about this. You might not need my hand. You might be able to do it on your own. And I'm trying to give you the tools to do it on your own. If you can, that's awesome. Uh, if you want to jump in with me, uh, here's, you know, here's the new program we're launching. At the same time, uh, you'll be able to buy it down the road. It's just going to be more money and you won't get the bonuses. And at the same time, if you want to get it now, we're not going to tell you to run to the front in 15 minutes. You're here for the weekend. And let's say it was a four-day event, I think. Uh, as long as you make the decision by Sunday. You know, uh, we'll hold it open for four days. And 
and he didn't say if we, if we still have spots left because you know if it's an intangible service i think most people are going spots left it's not like you're selling a physical product that you ran out of but the point of the whole story is is he did the whole thing he was still offering scarcity he just did it in such a way that it was almost like hey guys if you want to work with me and you feel that that'll give you the extra boost awesome Here's the platform. Uh, if you don't, or now is not the right time. And he even said, you know, if you don't have the finances right now, nobody will ever know. I'm not going to judge you. We'll just think that maybe it's not a fit or you're already ahead of me right now. And he just basically laid it out in such a way that you never felt that you had to do it, that you came to this event to be sold, nothing. It just felt like the smoothest yeah. thing in the world. And by the way, as somebody who knows what he's doing, I signed up for the program. You know, that's, that's the proof in the pudding right there. That means there's value. That means it was right for you. And if I'm going to, I'm going to share with you uh, a four, four step framework to think about how, uh, how to help people make the decision to buy from you or not. And let me start with the ideal outcome of a pitch. The ideal outcome of a pitch is that it elevates the audience's consciousness. Now they're now more aware of solutions available to them. They feel good about the opportunity to work with you. They feel good at their ability to make a decision. And the best thing for you to do is to, clear help people make the clear decision yes i'm in or no i'm not in and whatever experience that they have some people really stress out about this stuff you know some people really freak out because you're putting them right to the point of do you want to stay stuck or do you want to uh cross over to success with me and so as little maybes as possible because maybes are just torments and they fade into no's Absolutely. They continue to just torment people with maybes. You want to get them to yes or no, right? So give them a reason to buy now. Sure, bonuses, discounts, whatever. Give them a reason. Um, you don't have to create false scarcity. That's something you talked about is that, you know, let's not say there's spots left when it's like we know that they can sell unlimited of these spots. Um, but I, I, for example, I limit myself to 10 clients at a time. So I, I just don't take on new clients after that level. Um, so... We want to create that optimal outcome, the right people buying and the wrong people not buying. The right people buying and the wrong people not buying. And that's, that's kind of what we, what we do. So we illuminate four options for them. We say there's four things that can happen. One is you could do nothing. You could do it yourself. You could hire someone else or you could work with me. Here's what happens when you do nothing. You tell a story. This is someone who wanted the same th result that you want. And this is what happened to them when they did nothing. Then there's do it yourself and do it yourself is time and time again, proven to be the hardest, the slowest and the most expensive. And yet we continue to choose it so many ways in our life. Oh, I could figure it out. It's because we're optimistic. We're entrepreneurs. We're creative. We say, yeah, I could figure that out. I, could, I should be able to figure that out. I'm smart. I could figure it out. You do it yourself. It's slow. It's painful. It's expensive. Or you hire someone else. Now, smart people hire other people to shorten the learning curve and to get there easier and faster. Here's an example of when someone tried to solve the problem by spending money on this other thing. Maybe they spent a lot more than I'm charging, or maybe they spent a lot less and got crappy results, or maybe they worked with someone and just took too long. And I'll tell a story that doesn't exactly paint that as the best option. Then I'll tell a story about, here's what happens if you would actually just work with me. Here's the investment, here's the results, we'd get there together, we'd work together on this. So which of those sound like the right option for you? Do nothing, do it yourself, hire someone else or hire me. Now I'll weave those same four stories throughout my presentation so that people have already kind of gone through the thinking process of should I solve this problem and should I do it with this guy who's telling me how to solve the problem on stage right now? 
So that's how the sales pitch works in a way. And what people think is first there's a speech and then there's a sales pitch, but the right sales pitch is actually starts before you even start talking. It's built into the title. It's built into the description. It's built into the bio and the introduction and this whole speech leads you to the process of, yes, I want this result. I want it done well and easy. And I like working with this guy. I like this guy. You had that experience with Brendan Bouchard. I, I don't blame you. He's amazing. Well, and to that point, there's a couple of things too. I, I, I'll, I'll touch on there. One, when I even said like, because there's, there's two sides, that scarcity side, you may brought up a good point, is you might elect to work with a certain amount of people. And that's a legit scarcity thing. Whereas with Brendan, when he's saying, you know, it was an influencer program he's launching, he's saying, I want to have a 1000 people in the room in June. Well, you don't, you know, if you have 2000 in the room now, and you know, not 50% are going to sign up, you don't say I want a 1000 people in the room, but then say we're limited to 300. Like, so it would be it's the nature of the program is he can serve as many as he wants to serve. So that's where I meant that side because there is that other side where you might say, look, I mean, this is a program where you get full support, and full access to me, I can't do that for 3000 people. So that's obviously a, a legit scarcity which is true another thing you made me realize too or think about is even what he builds into the bio side of things so some people struggle with this but let's say we'll use him as the example i think i even have it here with me because it has a calendar that he you know, smartly includes which is to know when the event's coming up and all that and i just happen to have i haven't gotten off the road yet since i signed up but i nice. was on the calendar the other day and on the back side it shows pictures of him with the dalai lama richard branson uh mel robin uh I think I might be Zig Ziglar before his passing and, and on and on and on. And so my point of this is some people struggle with that. You know, the idea of, is it an ego thing? But here's the thing. He's trying to get people to sign up. If you look at those four options you mentioned, over going to somebody where they might be able to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. So he's trying to convince them, sign up with me, but you're not going to get direct access to me. You're going to get my support staff. So he has to build up that he's such a big creditable person. You want to be working underneath somebody who's built the you know, a business to that level versus working with somebody who can do it one-on-one -on -one who maybe hasn't. And so that's what he's trying to pitch. So I think to your point about the bio, having the pictures of him with all these top influencers says to you, wow, you know, this guy is the real deal. If he could get an audience with the Dalai Lama, then I want to, I want to somehow be connected to this guy. So to that point, I think building into the bio, that's an area where people struggle because they don't want to come across looking like ego is involved. But at the same time, it's a credibility boost. So I think even building that into your bio immediately goes, okay, this is somebody that other people at a high level have trusted and put their picture beside and their name beside. There's probably a better chance they're not going to rip me off. They're not going to disappear with the money, all those kind of things. Would you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're talking about building trust. Yeah. You're but talking about building, building trust. Associating yourself with other influencers, whether that comes across as an ego side or whether it builds immediate credibility. So, you know, I think of this in terms of the transference of trust, where you know that if I worked at IBM for 10 years, you know, it's a blue chip company. You can trust me because IBM clearly trusts me with their brand enough to keep me employed. So you can sort of shortcut your thinking process on determining whether I'm a reliable employee if, if IBM's on my resume for 10 years, right? Absolutely. So the same thing with uh, if I say I worked with these people and I worked with those people, if you trust and you recognize those people as a brand, so you trust them and you're now associating me and the implication is they trust me enough to work with me to have me as their partner or their client, whatever. Um, so that's leveraging that same phenomenon. 
I like, I appreciate this celebrity. Uh, I like what they stand for. They're clearly appreciating this person who I'm not quite sure about, but more and more people that I trust seem to also trust this person enough to take a selfie with them. Um, then, okay, that builds my confidence. I like this person. Well, and who those people are, by the way, is an interesting process. I, I work with a, a, a publisher who very specifically chooses their sort of heroes so that their ideal client says, wow, I, I resonate with those other authors. So, you know, the people that you saw, you recognize them and you resonated with them, which maybe somebody else in a different market would look at those same people and say, I don't care about, I don't, I don't know who those people are. Right. So, so that was uh, compelling for you to see those people together. Um, so, so to that point, yeah, it's, um, I, I think, you know, we sort of scratched the surface there, Majid, as well, in terms of that side of things. I guess the, uh, the last part I would ask you about is where we can, um, well, first I'll go two directions. One is, um, where we can connect with you to learn more about the work you're doing. And like I said, I'll call it with your permission to be continued because I know we barely scratched the surface. And then the other side is uh, one of the things that I've heard, Lisa Nichols, we had on the show a while back who shared that they did a study that showed that less than 1% of speakers are making a full-time living directly or indirectly from speaking. And so to your point of it earlier about working with somebody who's done it, uh, can you tell us how a person can work with you? Because you're somebody who obviously has lived that and as we start to discover, there's a lot of people that are speaking that aren't necessarily at that level. So uh, can you tell us how people can work with you, especially if that's their goal to get to that level? Sure. So I'll tell you a quick story. Um, there's, a, there's a group called the High Income Earners that have to make over $350,000 a year to attend this once a year meeting at the annual Conference of Professional Speakers. And I happened to break into this seven years into my speaking career. And the first thing I did is I asked everybody, what's your business model? And they all said, I speak to get clients. And this is what I help people do. You can learn more about me in the process. There's a free book, expertspeaker.com slash free book. So expertspeaker.com slash free book. And you'll get the book, The Five Steps to Grow Your Business with Public Speaking. And you can also book a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me. You just click the apply button and schedule a call with me and I can help you figure out what's the next best step for you to grow your business with public speaking at expertspeaker.com slash apply. So that's where to get at me. You can schedule a call with me, expertspeaker.com. Awesome. And so is it a fair uh, statement to say that uh, part of your goal will be to help more people get to that, you know, make that 1% a bigger, either a bigger percentage or more people in that 1% of actually earning a living from speaking rather than just posting on Facebook that they're a sought after speaker? Generally speaking, speakers have an important message that's going to help a lot of people. And if they can afford to do the speaking more often, and if they knew how to get booked more easily, they would make a much bigger impact in the world. So my mission is to empower those people with the tools and the strategies to get booked more and generate a higher income so that they can actually grow their impact more. Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, I know we barely even touched the surface because I know uh, the direction we went, I know we could have continued down just one of those areas for another half hour. Uh, so with your permission, we don't want to pick your brain for the sake of picking your brain, but obviously we, you and I both try to uh, help as many people as we can. So with your permission, I'd love to bring you back on down the road. Uh, and in the interim, we'll continue to wave the flag for all the great work you're doing. That'd be great, Corey. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.